But by looking at this scripture, we can see the sorts of prayers that we should be praying. But also by looking at this prayer, it's good for us to look at it because we need to know what we're praying and what other people are praying for us so that we can look for answers to prayer. I hope you do that. I hope when you pray, you don't just say your prayers and go, right, well, that's done and forget about it. It's always good to to watch and see how God is answering that prayer and whether he has answered it yet or whether we're still waiting for it to be answered. So because it's a prayer, I'm going to do what Heather did and let's start off with prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Lord, we pray that out of your glorious riches you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And Lord, we pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God and Lord help us to understand this. Amen. Righto. Last week we discussed what it means to be a minister of the gospel. And I hope you haven't forgotten, forgotten already, but basically I'm not the only minister here. Uh, I'm very happy to be known as a minister of the gospel, but only if you also understand that you also are a minister of the gospel. To be a minister means that we are servants. Uh, We are servants of Christ. And none of us deserve to be that. None of us deserve to be a minister of God. None of us are good enough. None of us are adequate. None of us are trained well enough. None of us are smart enough or special enough to be a minister. And so it's only by the grace of God that, that any of us and all of us are made ministers in his name. And we finished off last week by saying verse 7 together. Do you remember that? Remember verse 7 that we said? And I asked, who agrees with this? Who believes it? And um, I'm going to put it up on the screen again and um, I'd invite you to say it with, with me again. Let's say it together again. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by a working of his power. Right, you remember that verse now? Yep. So we said it all together and I think we meant it. And as I finished the message, I asked for one of you other ministers to volunteer to pray for us in response to the message. And um, there was a very long silence. Does anyone remember the very long silence? And I suspect there are various thoughts going through people's minds at about that stage, as they do. So, so maybe, maybe you are one of those who are thinking, well, I'm not confident enough. I mean, somebody else will get up and pray. Or maybe this was going through your mind, well, I think I understood the message, but what if I didn't? 
And what if I get up and pray for something that's just wrong and I just muck everything all, all up? Maybe that might have been going through your mind. Or maybe you might have been thinking, well, look, I'll leave that for the spiritual people. I'm a very practical person. Or maybe you're thinking, oh, Mr Brumpton wants one of the adults to do that. I'm way too young, so I'm just going to stay quiet because I know my place. Maybe that was going through your head. Or maybe your head was going... No way, is he crazy? What does he think he is asking us to do that? Ah! Or maybe you're sitting there and after a little bit, this went through your head. Golly, it's been a long time. I wonder how long he's going to wait before he does it himself. I won't make him do that. I'll tell you what, I'll count to 30. And, and if nobody else has done it by the time I get to 30, I'll do it. Does anybody here ever count when it comes to times of science or times of prayer? One, two, three, four. And the counting gets slower. Five. Well, maybe this was going through your head. Oh, everything's quiet. Did I miss something? Maybe you didn't ask me to do something. What am I supposed to be doing? And then Narina, our minister for prayer, got up and Narina prayed. But after that, we had another time of prayer and I was so pleased that a number of you prayed. And I hope I don't embarrass him, but, but Scott prayed something which was really important. I I'm, don't want to embarrass you, Scott. It was really good. We'd all just recognised that, that we're all ministers. But there was obviously something else that was needed for us to make the connection to God's power. For a while, I was starting to worry that nobody was going to step up. And maybe some of you might have been starting to worry too. And I'm a bit deaf and my memory's not much chopped, but I think Scott prayed that God would give us strength to be the ministers that God has called us to be. And he said something like, we need strength, Lord. And we do. We need strength. Give us strength, Lord. And that prayer that Scott prayed is very much like the prayer that Paul prayed that we've just read just now. It is by God's grace that he makes us ministers And it is only by God's power that any of us can ever be any use as God's ministers. Heather's story today, it's only by God's power that Heather was able to get up and and give the kids an illustration of, well, actually God gives us power. And so when Paul prayed for the Ephesians, he prayed that God would grant them strength and power through his spirit. And, And I guess this is the kind of spirit that we have to be in when we come to God in prayer, asking him for him to grant something. Like we don't demand it, we don't expect it, but we can ask nicely that God will grant this wonderful gift of the power of his spirit. Now, in verse 16, Paul tells us in which way he wants us to be strengthened, the way in which he's praying for us to be strengthened. He's not praying for physical strength. 
He's not praying for mental strength. He's not praying for strength of patience or for psychological strength, although all of these forms of strength may follow. He prays for something which is much more important than that. He's praying for a strengthening with the power of the Holy Spirit in our inner being. Here, a strengthening of the heart, a strengthening of the person, a strengthening of the inner man or the inner woman, a strengthening of the inner being. I think maybe a few of us last week realised, hey, we actually need a strengthening in our inner being. If God is calling me to be a minister of the gospel, where I am, where I work, where I live, in my circle of friends, in my family, as a parent, as a child, as a student, as a worker, if God is calling me to be a minister in that setting, I need strengthening. Now something I notice with Paul's prayer is it is both Christ-centred and love-focused. And that shouldn't surprise us. So much about God should be Christ-centred and love-focused. The whole message of the cross is Christ-centred and love-focused. And our calling as ministers of God should be Christ-centred and love-focused. Let me share something with you about the relationship of love with everything that, that we encounter as Christians. If you have trouble worshipping, you haven't so much got a worship problem as what you have a love problem. Because if I'm overflowing with the love of God and a love for God, I'm not going to have any trouble worshipping him. It's going to be something that just I want to do. If I have trouble praying, I don't so much have a prayer problem as what I have a love problem. If I love God, I'm going to want to spend time talking with him. I'm going to want to spend time listening to him and just being in his presence. If I have trouble making time in my day to read God's word, I haven't so much got a scheduling problem as what I have a love problem. The more I love God, the more that I want to know God and the more that I want to know his word and and the more I read it, the more I know about God, the more I experience God, the more I love it even more. And it's like a circle, it's like a snowball that just builds up and up. The love just keeps growing. If I have trouble with evangelism, if I have trouble sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with other people, I haven't so much got an evangelism problem, I've got a love problem. If I truly love my neighbour, and I know that my neighbour's going to go to hell because they don't know Christ, well, if I truly love them, you're not going to be able to shut me up. I'm going to keep pestering them and keep telling them about Jesus. And Don't you know? Look, let me tell you about how Jesus has saved us from our sins. If I have trouble giving to the poor, I haven't so much got a generosity problem as what I have a love problem. If I truly love the poor, could I I ever let a child starve to death 
while I have more than I need but not as much as I want. And if we find that we don't have the strength to be the minister that God has called us to be, I think it's time for us to start thinking and discovering maybe I don't have a strength problem. Maybe I have a love problem. Maybe I need to experience the love of God more and, and use that love to love God and love others. And as Paul prays this prayer for us, I soon realise I don't have a shortage of power. I have a shortage of love. Both the US and Australia are having a bit of a dilemma at the moment. Over the last few years, or probably more so decades, uh, we've been spending far, far more than, than what our nations make. And, and something that's been happening, if you, if you look at defence budgets over time, they've really been cutting the defence budgets down. But of course, in the world in which we live in, we realise that we've got to, as a nation, we've got to keep spending money on defence, otherwise we'll become weak and vulnerable. And so the government's had to make us pull in our belts and we certainly we need to do that in other areas but they, they need to continue to keep buying jets and helicopters and ships, ships and all this sort of stuff because national spending on defence gives a nation strength. There's no two ways about it. That's the way a nation gets strong. When it comes to people, how do we get strong? Well, on a personal level, fitness and skills gives us strength. And on a psychological level, self-confidence is the sort of thing that gives us strength. But God's economy is very different to the world's economy. In God's economy, strength grows out of something that, that we wouldn't expect. Strength grows out of love. Love is the source of strength. Love is the source of power. Now that takes a bit of getting your mind around. The best example I can come to for this is the cross. Love is the source of strength that held Christ to the cross. There's never a few six-inch spikes of iron that held Christ to the cross. As as if the one who created billions and billions of tonne of iron ore and gathered it all together in various places, as if that iron ore would be made into spikes of iron by miserable men and men like us who who would then nail him to the cross. As As if that bit of those spikes of iron could have held Christ to the cross. That's not what held him to the cross. It was the love of God. It was Christ's love for us that held him to the cross. Love is not a source of weakness. Love is the source of strength. Let me put this into practical terms for you. Now, I don't want you to dwell on this person, but I want you to think of that person who makes you go, Lord, give me strength. Now, we've all got that person in our lives, haven't we? Now, don't dwell on that person, but but you've got that person in your mind, haven't you? Lord, give me strength. You don't need strength. 
You need love. Because strength will only help you to put up with that person for just a little while longer before you crack. Whereas love, God's love, endures forever. And God's love helps us to love people in spite of the exasperation that they might sometimes give us. Paul describes Christ living in our inner being, dwelling in our hearts through faith, and he's describing this as our relationship with God. He describes it as being rooted and grounded in love. Right? Now that's that's a pretty strong image, isn't it? Being rooted and grounded in love. I want you to consider a moment. When it comes to your faith in Christ, what are you rooted and grounded in? Now some people make a commitment to Christ out of fear. They come to understand that Christ died for their sins. They don't want to go to hell. So they confess their sins and they receive forgiveness and they become a disciple of Christ and all of this, they've been driven out of fear. And they just know in their minds, well, if I don't follow Christ, I'm doomed to hell. And so everything they do, their whole relationship with Christ is driven by fear. I sometimes think of Think of people you know, on their deathbeds and, and what a terrible thing that, that maybe it's just out of fear that they make a commitment to God on their deathbed. And so some people follow Christ out of fear. Some of us follow Christ out of duty. You know, I, I believe God exists. It's my duty to go to church. It's my duty to bring my children up in the Christian faith. My parents did it for me. Um, It's my duty to do it for my kids. It's my duty to serve God. It's my duty to go to Sunday school or or to go to Bible study. It's my duty to lead worship or or to pray. At the big long silence, it's my duty to get up and break the silence by being the one who actually prays. It's my duty. It's just what I have to do. It's what my family's always done. It's what I will always do. And I'll teach my kids to always do that. God has done so much for me. I could never repay him, but I've got to start now by by doing my duty. But Paul's prayer takes us way beyond that. Paul's prayer takes us way beyond fear. It takes us way beyond duty. Paul's prayer is that we would not be rooted and grounded in fear. It's not that we would be rooted and grounded in duty, but that we would be rooted and grounded in what? Love. That just flips everything on its head. God wants us to love him. God wants us to be filled with love for him. God wants us to be filled with with love for others. To be filled with not a human love, but with perfect love. 
love for God, the love that comes from God. And you might be here today out of fear or you might be here today out of duty and you know it. Do you know how do you know if you're here out of, out of duty? <sighs> Sunday, I'll go to church again. I missed a couple of weeks in a row. Guess I've got to go this week. How do we move from fear or duty to being grounded and rooted in love? Well, Paul prayed for the Ephesians that they, with all the saints, that's us, would have strength to comprehend the incomprehensible. That they would have the strength to begin to understand what can never be fully understood. The breadth and length and height and depth of Christ's love. I want you to note, he didn't pray that they would feel Christ's love. Because feelings come and go. You know that, don't you? Husbands, there'll be times when you don't feel in love with your wife because you've just had an enormous blue. That doesn't mean that you don't love her. And wives, there'll be times when you feel that you don't love your husbands. That doesn't mean you don't love them. And there'll be times when you feel that you're not loved by God. There'll times be times when you don't feel like loving God. And that's why he says that, 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 that we would comprehend it. He prays that we would comprehend it, that we would understand it, that we would know it, because feelings come and go, but the love of God is always there. And verse 19, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Right? So he's praying that we'll be filled with all the fullness of God and this would come through knowing the love of God. Now to be filled with all the fullness of God can mean a lot of stuff. It is to be filled with the power of God. It is to be filled with the strength of God. It is to be filled with the gifts of God. It is to be filled with the spirit of God and it is to be filled with the love of God. And where does it all come from? By knowing love. You know, some people have a lot of trouble loving others. Why? Because they've never been loved by somebody else. Now, to me, there's nothing more sad than for somebody to grow up feeling as if they have never been loved. But some kids have never been loved by their families. They've never been loved by their parents. So when they grow up, they don't know what it means to love because they never have. And I guess that's the same for us. It's only because God loves us so much and as we begin to grasp and comprehend how much God loves us, it's only then that that we can start loving. We love because God loved us first. That's what the Bible says. And the better that we can understand and comprehend the love of God, the more that God fills us with his perfect love and his strength. 
Now, whenever I'm, I find whenever I'm preaching on love or, or anything to do with love, I always find myself going to John. Either the Gospel of John or more particularly, as he got older, I think John began to understand love even better. And you get into the letters of John and they are just filled with, with writings on love. I want to read you some of that today. Um, I'm taking it from 1 John chapter 4 and it's going to be up there. Beloved. That's how he starts off his sentence. That's, he's writing to, to a church somewhere and he calls them what? Beloved. Now that just reminds us for a start, hey, we are loved. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And his commandment, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Did anyone notice a key word in that passage? <laughs> Did anyone notice a word that just keeps coming up? 23 times love. Yeah, you counted, Roy? Yep. Do you get what John's saying here though? We love, but God got in first. 
The reason we love is because God loved us first. As, as we experience the love of God, as we draw on the love of God, as we are filled with the love of God, you'll be amazed the power, the motivation, the strength, the yearnings of the Spirit that start to well up in you as you have this love. As you have this love for God, as you have this love for other people, it will force you to do things that you've never even considered doing. I watched a movie the other night. Um, I can't even remember what it was called, but a Changeling. Is that what it was called? Changeling, she called it. Um, I missed the end of it. didn't get recorded. A, a child went missing and his mother driven by love, never gave up on that child. Always searched. Always stood against... Oh, she was put in a loony bin and everything. Yeah, um, but driven by the love that she had for her child, she never gave up. If your Christian life is driven by fear or duty or anything else, you're constantly going to have a power problem. Do you know what I'm saying? If your Christian life is driven by fear or duty or anything other than love, you're going to constantly have a strength problem. As you get engaged in ministry, it's only going to be out of duty or it's only going to be out of, well, I guess somebody's got to do it. I urge you to turn your heart and your mind to comprehending, to beginning to understand the dimensions of the love of Christ. Because you can't just decide within yourself, right, okay, it's my duty to start loving. I'm going to give up on duty and I'll start loving. Well, it's still duty. You know what I'm saying? The starting point is to know and comprehend the love of God. To know how much you are loved. And then allow that love to start permeating who you are and oozing out of you. I don't know if that's a good theological term. I think you know what I mean, don't you? I hope so. Until your inner being is filled with the love of God, you're always going to have a deficit of strength and power. If as a disciple and a minister of Jesus you feel you lack power or strength, it's time to start to get to know the love of Christ and be filled with the love that is the source of power and strength. It's time for us to be both Christ-centred and love-focused. As Christians, we so often get drawn off into one of those two tangents. Some Christians are very Christ-centred, but they don't love anybody. Some others are filled with love, but aren't Christ-centred. We need to be Christ-centred and love-focused. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, 
from from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We pray that out of your glorious riches you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and I pray that we being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 